Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I promised you a discussion about the blood ban possibly ending in our country. It looks that way, anyhow. And as I said, we've covered a lot of things that Justin Trudeau has promised to do at various points as uh, Prime Minister. But beyond the promise, not a lot has happened. We know there's the military misconduct and the way that's handled, uh, truth and reconciliation, the list goes on. Uh, here's another one. In 2015, he promised to ban end the ban on gay and bisexual men donating blood in Canada. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will now. Uh, let's get some insight on where we stand and what we can expect with Dr. Uh, Nathan Lachowski, who is an associate professor in School of Public Health and Social Policy in the Faculty of Human Social Development at the University of Victoria, one of several researchers whose work will inform the Canadian Blood Services application to get this ban ended. Doctor, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So, Happy bring to us, talk to you. so bring us up to speed here. What I understand is Canadian Blood Services is the one initiating this, and they'll be applying to Health Canada have this ban removed, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, the policy around who gets to donate blood in Canada is uh, managed by Health Canada, um, and Canadian Blood Services was created um, after initial, um, uh, well, many years ago in response to basically the initial blood scandal where um, folks had uh, gotten HIV and Hep C through the blood supply. And so uh, Canadian Blood Services will apply to Health Canada for permission to allow um, new people to donate. Um, Describe the current ban for us. It has changed a bit since it was initially brought in, but it's still really draconian. Just tell us what the ban applies to right now. Sure. So um, when we're talking about men who have sex with men, when the AIDS epidemic started, um, uh, we didn't know a lot and we didn't have tests. And the uh, the situation was quite different. And so uh, basically early on, the ban was basically a lifetime ban. If you had ever had sex with a man um, and you were a man, um, then you weren't able to donate blood. That then got reduced to five years, down to one year. And then um, just before COVID, it was reduced down to three months. And so that's for any kind of sex between men. Um, And so for a long time, we've been um, advocating uh, to say, we've got decades of evidence now around HIV research. Our testing has gotten extremely better. We can detect it within the blood uh, within nine days. Um, And so why do we have this current policy? And and so that's really what the the conversation has been around. And the way that it looks like it'll be going, uh, it's... It will still be a consideration when you're donating blood, but rather than getting it assigned to gender or sexual orientation, which really, if you think about it, um, is ridiculous because risky sex acts are not, are not confined to any gender or sexual orientation by any means. That will be the question. More about sexual behavior rather than sexual orientation, right? Exactly. I think really what we've tried to emphasize is, do you know what I mean, um, HIV can affect uh, and infect anyone. And so, during why do we have a policy that specifically targets men who have sex with men um, when we know that during different kinds of sex acts um, would expose someone potentially to HIV? And so, really focusing on those behavioral um, practices as opposed to who you are as a person and who you choose to have sex with um, is really the shift that we're looking for. And uh, And so, that's 
that's ideally what they have committed to applying for. Um, it will be a decision by Health Canada uh, in, their, in the new year. Um, and so we will still have to wait and see what those decisions are. But we've been trying to provide additional evidence to emphasize this point of focusing on um, getting rid of gender in the, in the conversation and just focusing on the sexual practices. Um, we'll get to the evidence in a second. But first, so, so how do you envision it being? Uh, I mean, the safeguards will still be in place. It's not like it's going to be, we won't be dealing with this at all. So how is it going to be handled in terms of going forward rather than just having this blanket ban? How do you envision it or how would you like to see it? Yeah, uh, I mean, thankfully here in Canada, we have one of the safest blood supplies in the world. Um, and doing all of this work is, is absolutely meant to not compromise that safety. Doing patient safety in terms of people who rely on blood for ongoing conditions or those of us who might end up in the ER with an accident and need blood for a surgery, we want to make sure we have a safe supply. So that's always front and foremost. The second thing that's important is sufficiency. Do we actually have enough blood and blood products for the people who need them? And that's been one of the challenges in our system. And so what we're trying to do here is to be able to make um, folks who would be uh, absolutely safe donors, eligible to donate. Um, and so that's the amendment in terms of thinking about in the future. Instead of asking this question of, are you a man who's had any kind of sex with another man in the past three months? What we'd rather see is all donors asked a, a set of questions that say, Julian, have you had a new sexual partner? How many sexual partners have you had? Have you used a condom with those partners? Those kinds of questions that get at the more nuance in terms of what actually puts someone at risk for acquiring HIV um, in terms of and screening all folks out for that. Because right now that policy around men who have had sex with men doesn't apply to heterosexual sex. Um, and so uh, even though uh, HIV can be passed through heterosexual sure. sex, um, the ban right now doesn't have anything to do with condoms. Um, and so uh, I think really that's kind of what we're trying to get to is asking questions of all donors um, that really focus on what are actually the scientific risks behind HIV acquisition. Um, and so that's what we hope to see in the future. Um, and, I mean, there are other countries. The U.K. moved to a model similar to this um, just last year. Um, and so they're asking a series of questions as well. And so um, we're able to learn from during comparator countries in the world around um, those shifts. But this would be, Canada would be kind of the second in a similar blood system to make that move. Um, and so I think this is important for us to also think about how we can contribute to the broader blood supply in the world in terms of uh, making things more accessible um, and more sufficient for the people who need those products. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And when we talk about, um, you know, Canada's blood supply, it's all still tested anyway, Correct. Yeah, and it's tested with some of the best tests that we possibly could do right now. And so there's yeah, quite rigorous testing on all blood that comes in. Um, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, I mean, when this epidemic started, I mean, unlike COVID, it's been around for a few years, 
HIV has been around for four decades. And when that started, we weren't even into able to test people to tell them whether they had HIV or not. And so once those tests have developed to the point now where if someone acquires HIV, we can run a test that will say, joining me within nine days, whether they have acquired the virus or not. That's an incredible technological advancement in terms of testing. And so that is the test that's used on all blood donations, regardless of what answers are to questions. So the Um, idea behind these questions is really additional safety above and beyond what's already done in terms of testing. So what's the timeline on this? When are we expecting some sort of progress? It's a great question. I mean, it's been nice to see the changes over the past few years, but this is really the most substantial change we yes. would see to this policy. And so, I mean, the Canadian Blood Services has committed to applying to Health Canada this fall. Um, and Health Canada will review that. Um, they will come back to Canadian Blood Services and say, we need more information or data behind this. Um, and so whatever questions those have, we hope that as researchers we can support Canadian Blood Services in making that um, appeal. And then Health Canada will render a decision, and then it will take a little bit of time for um, Canadian Blood Service to be able to operationalize it. So, I mean, I don't think we would expect um, during the fall things go as planned and as desired any kind of um, change to the real system until sometime in spring of next year, maybe even summer. Um, and that's kind of the earliest timeline. And, and it's important that we take our time with this. It's important when we're talking about people's lives and safety. And so um, during, it's good to know that it's moving. Um, but I think the real question is going to be what Health Canada says to this request. And you want to have people confident in the system too. That, that's, that's most important, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think during the, during lots of work has shown during the value of civic participation in terms of donating blood, it's a very selfless thing to do to take something from our own bodies and to provide that voluntarily to support the life of somebody else. And so during, we want to make sure that people feel confident that that's going to be a safe system. Um, and, and we want to make sure that people feel included, do you know what I mean? And so that people who mm-hmm. are safe donors are able to donate. Um, and this is really the way that we build bonds as a, as a, as a country, do you know, as a community. And I mean, many of us, even gay men, do you know what I mean? There's hemophiliacs in our community. There's people who get into accidents. So we all need blood, um, and many Canadians will need blood in their lifetime. And so we want to try and make sure that we create a system that, um, that we have active participation, because many Canadians don't donate. And so I'm hoping out of this, by having these conversations, that we have people take a moment to reflect on, do you know what I mean? Could I donate? And if I'm eligible to donate, could I take that time out of my day to go and book an appointment and make a donation? Um, And that's really ultimately, at the end of the day, what's going to make sure that we have a sufficient supply. Well, and it makes perfect sense, because we often hear Canadian Blood Services saying, we need blood, we have a shortage, we need blood, Um, and opening up the pool of donors, you know, if it's perfectly scientifically safe, which it is, um, expanding the donor pool makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think that's we're excited for some of the changes, and we're hoping that we'll bring in a new generation of donors when we think about young people, during getting new young donors into the system, during who can become regular donors. I mean, there's donors who have been donating for decades uh, within Canadian Blood Services that have given yes. hundreds of donations. And I mean, what we want to create is a system where people feel like they want to participate in that. They're proud of the system we have. And during having a system that feels like it unfairly discriminates against some people, um, isn't, uh, isn't something that some people want to participate in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for your time this morning, Doctor. I really appreciate you joining us. Pleasure. You're very experienced in it, so it was a, it was a very easy conversation. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right. Keep well. That is Dr. Lachowski, who is an associate professor at the University of Victoria and one of the researchers whose work is informing Canadian blood services uh, application to have this blood ban lifted and to approach things differently. And you know what? It makes sense.